Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy and today's guest is Heidi Bullock. Now Heidi is the CMO at Telium, but I've known her for five years or so. It goes back to the days where she was group vice president at Marketo and really someone who I looked forward to any time I got to chat with just because I knew I was going to learn something. I'd see a different way to approach how data was used and how demand is generated inside of marketing. And, and she's really defined her career that way. One of her stops was CMO at Engageo, a company that was later acquired by Demandbase, and another company that really helps us understand the path of the buyer. And as a result, you can imagine today's podcast is full with insight on how we can get our buyers to progress through a journey. Not just their journey, but also I want you to take from this how you can progress your career journey. Heidi shares a lot about embracing opportunities for change. And the change is really something that allows us to progress in our career, become brighter, have different views to how we can solve the big problems that we get to jump into, whether we're in a CMO role, a VP role, whatever that might be. This is a great podcast for every marketer today. Thank you so much for finding time to chat with me. I feel like it's just been days since we saw each other at events and things like that. And now we're connecting in this way. And it's great to learn about your career. Tell us about how you got this off as CMO of Telium. Yeah, sounds good, Randy. And it is great to see you. I definitely miss, as we said, seeing everybody at conferences. Yeah, so you know, I was at Marketo for, for a long time. I, I, I then moved over to Engageo. Um, and this current op at Telium excited me for three reasons. And the first thing that I really look at in a company is the technology. And what I liked about Telium was just kind of their premise of real-time data collection and the ability to create experiences for buyers that are in real time and very meaningful and relevant. So the first thing I always look at is the tech. And I, I was very impressed by that. And then the second piece that I really look at is the people. And I was very, very fortunate that uh, Ted Purcell, who I also work with at uh, Marketo, is the CRO over at Telium. And, and you can relate to this. I think in marketing, that relationship that you have with other business owners, and especially on the sales side and revenue side, has to click. So for me, kind of those two pieces were, were really, really exciting because I just, I feel like I've been in marketing a long time and I definitely looked at opportunities that I thought were interesting, but the sales leader might have had a very, very different view uh, than I did on what the value of marketing is and what our job is. To me, to be successful, that relationship really has to be there. So yeah, Ted's got such a great vibe too. So much positivity is, is yeah. the only way to put it when, whenever I've interacted with him over the years. So I want to kind of look at both of those two buckets that you gave there, tech and people. Mm -hmm. And when you think about jumping into that CMO role, because that's different in Marketo, you were in, you were part of that marketing leadership team, but the CMO role is very different. What's been the biggest difference going to a company at Engageo stage when you joined, which was pretty much right out of the gate, just scale, right you know, out. Yeah. To figure out how to get ducks in order, let alone scale. 
versus Telium, from my understanding, I mean, you guys have really been a rocket ship. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, I mean, just being a CMO in general, I mean, you're you're owning everything. So I think in other roles, you might think, hey, I'm, I'm a VP of demand gen, but oh, you know, this other aspect isn't mine. When you're a CMO, it's all yours. <laughs> Sales is yours. You, product is yours. You, you really have to have sort of that ownership perspective. And I, I'd say the big difference at Telium has been really you know, coming in and looking for opportunities to make sure that think of it as almost like a house and making sure your framework is there. It's solid. Um, and I feel like my first year was really bring, bringing um, and building that framework, making sure that we had the systems in place, the process in place. Ideally, so to me, my, my goal is if look like I get hit by a bus, things should run well without me. I shouldn't be needed in every piece of every aspect of the job, right? And then this year's really been about scale. And so I, I think kind of I came in and just the way I break it down is like the building of the framework. And now this year, it's just like, how can I scale? How can I bring the same thing to our team in Japan, our team in Australia, um, making sure everybody's kind of doing the same thing and we're doing it in a really cost-effective manner. It's a great analogy around this idea of a, of a framework. And, and I'm wondering if you were to advise another CMO or someone looking to jump into this CMO gig, what is maybe your first and second piece of the framework? You talked about systems and process there. Where do people, because I, I assume people, to your point, allow you to look at this whole big picture, this whole house. Yeah. When do you start putting your people in place? Yeah, I mean, people's is probably the most... I'd say out of everything, the most important. I mean, people are everything. And I, and I think it's, you, you highlighted Ted earlier in this, and it's just that can-do attitude and that positivity <laughs> and something I, I'm sure you, because you're really positive too. And I think it's important. It's like, it's always easy for people to tell you what can't happen or won't work. And, and I'm looking for people that can help you with what can work, what is possible. And I think people, you know, for me, I, I first kind of organize my team into, I think about the revenue side of things. I think about sort of, corporate marketing, brand, customer marketing, and product marketing. Those are kind of my key pillars that I think about, uh, at least for myself. And then I really sort of come in, I assess the talent. I look at like, great, you know, do we have strong players in those areas or do I need to bring people in? And I think for me personally, I think the area that I spent the most time at, at least at TLM, is, is really starting with the revenue org. I brought in a, a great VP there, um, really making sure that we had strong, you know, we brought in Marketo. I mean, we, we built everything really from scratch. It was quite a, quite a journey. And then once I felt like that was really operational, because then I would kind of come in and help on the product marketing side. So once I had that leader, I was able to then kind of pick apart these other areas. And I think every company is going to be different. It's like, where's your biggest, again, kind of going back to a house analogy, where is that plumbing broken and where is it the worst? <laughs> and if it's your bathroom, you, you really want to start there, right? We don't want a, a leak there. So I, I think for me on the revenue side, that's where I was the most focused in getting that to a dependable, scalable kind of team that I, I felt like I could trust. And then I really started building out the product marketing and corp comms side this year, and that's going pretty well. But again, like every company is going to look a little different depending on where you have your challenges. Gotcha. So I'm curious. I mean, I mean, as we talk about this, we have this association that a new CMO comes into any opportunity and change is going to flow from that. And in some ways, that's needed to your point. How do you find ways as a marketing leader to adapt to that new leadership? And maybe you can speak to your career today. You've had some long tenures in places like Mark 
Marketo. I know the the opportunity before that was I think six plus years. Yeah. I'm sure you went through more than one CMO at least once in your life. How do you adapt to continue on that journey? Yeah. So it's interesting. I think that there's two things. Like I think it's really important for any CMO to have a point of view, right? Like what is your kind of philosophy coming in and making sure that the team in place kind of understands that and wants to take that journey with you. But I think your role so much is to provide kind of that vision and that excitement. And there's kind of two sides of it, right? Like as a CMO, how do you kind of keep people excited and organized and on that path and also focus? Because as we know, like in marketing, I think there's so many opportunities for people to kind of um, just be inundated with so many requests and different things. So I view a lot of my role as inspiring people, keeping them focused and getting roadblocks out of the way. That's kind of one side of it. And then I don't know if your other aspect of your question is, as somebody who's on the team, how do you respond to new leadership coming in? And I think that can be hard, right? Because you may have had a leader, we've done things one way, this new person's different and change is, change is scary. I don't care who you are, it's hard and, and, and change management is hard. It's, it's definitely, uh, you've gotta be a, a pretty strong and persistent person to do it. But I think for people that are in those spots, what I would say is keep an openness, keep a curiosity, because in so many cases, you can learn something new from that person. And I think the people that I've seen on my team that have that have kind of said they've embraced it. They're like, okay, Heidi's new. Her style's very different than than the prior uh, leadership team, but we're open to it. We're going to learn. And I think those people in the org today are thriving. And the thing that I would tell people that might feel frustrated or they see somebody new coming in and they're just like, ah, oh, you know, I always feel that you grow from change. And, and if you can just be the kind of person that does not uh, kind of resist it, you're going to be so much better off in your career. Because think about it in tech, think about your career, Randy, like the only consistent has been change. <laughs> in the market, there's change, there's acquisitions, there's mergers, things are happening all the time. I mean, all of us have been in that spot. I mean, at Marketo, we had new leadership all the time, new people being hired. And if you were the kind of individual that just got frustrated by that, that's going to be a long road. <laughs> so you might as well keep an openness and curiosity. And I think people that can always keep that mindset will do well, not only at work, but in their personal lives as well. That's great. Heidi, this is already great intel and, and a great approach and framework, as you said, to this house. I want to take a quick break here on the marketer's journey. We'll be back. I want to understand more about that philosophy that you talked about bringing in as a CMO anytime you jump into a new opportunity. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences.
Heidi hits on the importance of embracing change and she's so right. Don't get me wrong, change is scary. Change in our personal lives is scary. At work, it can be even scarier, right? Like all of the support that you see around you starts to change in some sort of way. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for our career, for our ability to execute? We see this the most when we lose a leader or we have a new leader come in, or it could even be just someone who's reporting to you on your team. That change in team structure can really be overwhelming. But the most important thing to do is to look at that as an opportunity. Yes, it's change, but it's an opportunity to change the way your team functions. In many cases, our teams are growing, they're evolving, and our ability to change and match to what's needed, it's scary at first, but I can't remember any time where I look back and say, we didn't capitalize on this. We don't hit it out of the park every time, but we make that attempt. And when we do, and when it works, it's a great change. So Heidi, I want to take a look at how you've had to reposition your approach. I imagine in Engageo, it was all about ABM, all day, all the time, for good reason. I, I love what Engageo was, was out there teaching us. But I've always said that, that ABM's applicable no matter what your strategy, right? It's about knowing who you want to target. How did you bring that mindset into Telium? Yeah, I think... ABM, it's kind of interesting. I think one of the great things that it's it's kind of reminded everyone around is, is is exactly your point. You, I think there was that whole era of inbound where it was like it was all about like volume and mass numbers, and it was just about more, more, more. But I think people started to realize, okay, more isn't always better. It doesn't mean we could be spending a lot of money on volume that's not converting. And I think what ABM has done is it made it's really made B2B marketers especially think about who am I marketing to? And, and often it's not just one individual. It could be, in many cases, it's a buying group, right? For a lot of us, IT might be involved. Somebody that's in data science, this is what it is at Telium for, for us and a marketing person. So you really have to know kind of those key roles where they enter into the buying cycle and, you know, what is the right message? What is the content that those individuals are going to need at, at different stages? And, and what I also love about ABM that I think is really important is I think, especially if you're a SaaS company, you know, historically folks have thought a lot about acquisition, acquisition, right? In, in marketing, I feel like people will still talk to me about like, well, the top of the funnel looks good. But in a lot of our businesses, and this is very true at Telium, we, we do a lot of uh, enterprise selling it's, it's really a land and expand motion, right? So you get into the account, you're with a group, but you want to get into another group within these large organizations. So it's, it's you really have to make sure that you understand the kind of the journey and what people need at those different stages. And again, like you said, really knowing your buyer and what they care about. And I think, as we all know, that's that sounds simple and obvious, but I think doing it is, um, I think, where a lot of people uh, run into challenges. Yeah, it's such a good point, especially that land and expand point. I, I remember earlier in our own journey at Uberflip, we defined land and expand as expanding the spend with that business group or that, mm -hmm. that champion. And it was only when we started to sell truly to enterprises, I think you're hitting on, that you realize enterprises are complex, right? It's, it's not one individual that we get to sell into. It's either a buying committee on that group or complete separate buying committees. How do you think about trying to map that? Like, is, is that in your world a single account or do you treat these as individual account instances of some sort? 
Yeah. I mean, I think that this is where I think a, a lot of companies have challenges, right? Because you ultimately want to have this all mapped somewhere in a CRM system too. So that way it's everyone can see the same thing and it scales. You know, I think for us, we look at it as um, one account, um, but then we have different groups within that account. And, and we really make sure that we have that mapped from the beginning. I think this is the piece that's hard for people, but it's kind of doing your research up front, understanding, you know, for each of those groups, you know, the group that's based in North America, maybe in the Bay Area might look very different uh, from the group in, in Basel, right? Or maybe different from the group that resides in Japan. And you really need to make sure that you kind of understand those key people, what it is they're trying to solve. And, you know, again, you might have to change your value prop just a little bit to make sure that it's mapping to what that person is, is going to care about. And I think, you know, if you can do that research up front and really understand that kind of what it is that they're looking for, that's, you know, the key thing there. And I think a lot of folks don't do that out of the gate. They're just like, okay, we mapped our personas. We have our messaging. We're off to the races. And I think if you can just spend a little more time up front, really doing the research, it, it helps immensely. Yeah, it's, it's such a good point. And, and it's, you know, you take a step back and you realize that a lot of us in marketing, we speak to this idea of what channels am I going to use to go grab the attention and then send them to some sort of landing page or content experience, whatever it might be. But as you said, you know, if we're trying to run that for two different business groups that don't talk to each other and even speak a different language, as right. you just highlighted, we may have to take a step back before we say, okay, let's just run our play across this entire org. So how do you how do you suggest pulling that understanding of the buyer in, you know, especially when, you know, you've got to work with sales, as we said earlier in this discussion? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's kind of there's two ways that I look at it. And I think there's the aspect where people today like research by looking at somebody's annual report, your earnings calls, you just do actual research on those key people and kind of doing um, some analysis to understand who it is you should be reaching in those accounts. And, and that's work. There's a lot of tools you can use to do that. And then there's also kind of the key, um, and this is what excited me about Telium, is really understanding kind of people's customer data really, really well, and then taking advantage of that. And I think one of the things, you know, at my time at Marketo, it, we talked a lot about multi-channel or omni-channel marketing, right? Like, right message, right person, right time. And the key there is, you know, making sure you can actually execute on that is it's not trivial as, as you know. And I think one of the exciting things to me about kind of the CDP space is that real-time data collection. And it could be from somebody's, you know, website, it could be from somebody's mobile device, it could be from IoT, um, and basically starting to get those digital footprints that then we can act on. And so I think it's a combination of looking at the account and kind of understanding what they're telling you through, you know, all the all the public channels that we have available. More people should do it. I, I, I find that they don't. I, I think that, you know, looking at somebody's, like I said, annual reports, earnings calls, looking at some what somebody's saying on, on social or a blog post they've written, you'll learn a lot from that. And then if you can marry kind of that same input with some of these digital footprints, it's it's pretty powerful, I think. So I, I want to take a step back here for a moment because you you threw the term CDP. And lately I find, depending on the marketer I'm speaking to, someone's like, yes, I know all about CDP or I have no idea what that acronym is. Right, I know. And I hate to use 
acronyms because I we're, we we live in a world full of them and it, it's just kind of uh, obnoxious at some point. But yeah, so it, when I talk about a CDP, I'm talking about you know a customer data platform, and that's kind of the key of Telium's technology and the way we use it and the way we see it used a lot. I, I can give you some examples, and this is pretty cool. Um, I think everybody like in marketing, you talk to any CMO, there's not a CMO out there that's not going to say, I don't want to deliver a great customer experience. Everyone wants to do that. But the trick is, great, how? <laughs> and, and how can you do that in a way that scales and is repeatable? And it's one thing if you're, you know, uh, you are marketing to five people, you can have a conversation like we're having, you know them well. You're like, hey, I know Heidi loves tacos and wine, and I'll send that to her. <laughs> but once we get into the 20,000, 30,000, you know, some of these companies sell to you know, so many people, how can you do that? And to me, great customer data platforms collect data in real time and they make sure that Randy is truly Randy, right? And they have a full picture of you, what you know, what you did on the web uh, versus like the information that, including the information that you may give a company yourself, um, maybe some of your preferences on privacy, bring that all together so then a marketer can deliver you the experience that makes sense for you. And I think the key that I'll highlight is in real time. And that's where a lot of the traditional kind of marketing automation tools, they're not going to be able to do that data collection and processing in real time. And that's where it gets tricky, right? So you might say, hey, I have a segment, but some of this data might be stale. And maybe um, you've decided, hey, I want to attend this event. You re recently just purchased the software and you should be tagged as a VIP, but maybe it hasn't. we haven't had a chance in marketing to do that yet. Whereas a CDP, that would happen in real time, and we can deliver you a VIP experience. So it's it's definitely something I've seen that's been more widely adopted on the consumer side. And I think B2B is, you know, definitely there's some opportunities there. And I, I like using it, if you think about it, this year in particular for retention. So if you can identify quickly an audience that you're worried about churning or there's signs there, how could you get in front of that? And, and that to me is something that's exciting. Or, I mean, I think something that you don't hear a lot about with CDPs, it's not always just marketing data. It's how can you use um, all different aspects of customer data so then as an organization, you can deliver a great experience. That's great. That's helpful to differentiation because I, I know there are some marketers who at one point were confused to begin with, why do I need a CRM and a, and a marketing our automation platform? So I now a CRM and a map. Now they're trying to figure out, okay, well, if I've adopted the CRM in a map, do I need the third? And obviously you've spoken to, to the reality that you brought Marketo in at Telium. Right. You brought Telium as a CDP. I can only imagine you have a CRM as well. So you, there is a purpose of each of these. And, and it, I, I guess maybe just to help us understand without getting into the weeds, but more strategically, how does someone bring all three of those systems together? Is that a revenue operations role? How do you see that being defined? Yeah, I mean, I, ideally it's a RevOps person and somebody that, you know, again, like really likes systems, they like data. And again, they, they do very th different things. I, I think of sort of the tools like you mentioned, like a CRM system or Marketo, or I think about like any of the different uh, tools, think of those as like activation tools, right? So through Marketo, we'll use a simple example. I want to send a great targeted email, but that email is very dependent on the data that you're collecting on somebody. And think of a CDP as, um, think of it as all these little arms out into the universe that's collecting all the different types of data, ideally first party data, 
And then it's almost like a brain that can ultimately create these great segments in real time and then deliver it out through your marketos, through your tools like Braze or Iterable or, you know, any of those activation tools. But I think that experience, it comes back to like customer data. And if you don't have the right data on somebody, that experience is going to be subpar. So that, that to me is why I'm really excited about this space because as a marketer and something I've seen for years and years and years, you can have the best tool in the world, but you know this, if your data is not optimized, you're going to not be able to deliver a great experience. As we all know, we've all seen it. It's a great, great final point there. I, I, I couldn't agree more. We got to know who we're targeting to deliver that experience that they expect. We get that in Netflix. We get that in Spotify because they know who we are, right? That's so the right. more we know, the better we can deliver. Heidi, we're going to take another quick break. We'll keep you around for a few more minutes. Get to know a little bit about how you're taking breaks after this short message. So what Heidi's highlighting here is the importance of data, the importance of being able to identify who you're going after. And to me, that's the first step in a very simple way I rally my team. I get them to think about how we generate a better customer experience, a better journey. Everything Heidi's hitting on, the importance of experience. And to do that, as she said, we've got to start with data. That's our first pillar. The second then is to use that to determine the right channels, the right ways to engage and grab the attention of our buyers on the fly. They're busy, whether they've bought from us or whether we're trying to get them to buy from us, they're still busy at every single phase. The key then is when we grab their attention, we need to figure out how we're gonna keep them engaged. What destination is gonna do that the best? And I think this is a very simple framework to think about. What data, who is it that we're going after? Second step, what channels can we grab them on? And third, what destinations are we gonna send them to? When we think about that, we start to think more holistically about how we attack, what MarTech we're gonna use, what technology we're gonna use, but more importantly, what process, what people on our team have to rally to get this to happen. So Heidi, we've unpacked your career. We've talked about the buyer journey and how complex it is with data points. With all this complexity of life at home right now, how do you manage that? Yeah, and and just for people that are listening, um, I also have twins, so I I definitely have like a, a busy personal life. Lots of lots of things in my house are happening, like as we speak. Actually, somebody came in during this interview. I, I was really impressed at how you stayed on point. I was ready to be like, "Don't worry, we'll restart this segment." Someone walked in. I think they grabbed headphones and they walked out, and you yeah. just kept going. It, it happens to me all day. I, I think it's it's so important right now, and I think. The one good thing coming out of this year that I've really tried to do is you have to take time for yourself, whatever that may look like, before you're good for anyone else. Like you're not going to be a great leader. You're not going to be a great friend. You're not going to be great really at anything if your tank is really, really empty. Um, and I know that's something that many people hear and they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, but I feel like for for me, that's something that has historically been really hard. I, I, I am somebody that um, I'm pretty driven. I work hard. And I've always been somebody that has kind of, I think, put things for myself last. It's like, oh, I'll get that, you know, presentation done. I'll go travel. I'll do these other things. And I, and I think that this year has made me really reflect on that. And I'd say the number one thing I do is in the morning, 
I either get out and I go hiking or walking or biking. I do have a Peloton. I'm one of those people that that went in that direction because, you know, when it's dark or raining outside and you can, even if you get in 20 minutes, I find that you're going to be so much better for everybody else. And it, you also just can get out amazing aggressions. It's amazing. It's so true. Turn on some crazy music. Like I love dancing too. I just like rock it out. And then any meeting or anything that comes at you throughout the day, you're going to be a lot better off. And I just think to me, I like the morning too. Trust me. I love to sleep as much as the next person, but I've found that it's the only time you really own your day. I think till later, someone's like, Hey, you know, Randy, do you just have 10 minutes to catch up on this thing? And by the time you know it, it's seven or eight. So that's kind of what I, what I've done. Um, I also, if I get breaks within the day, I just get out and I just, I'll go walk around my neighborhood. Like, and I, I love it. I like being outside a lot. And I just think that time is really important. Couldn't agree more. Hi. So who's, who's your favorite Peloton instructor? You get to give them a <laughs> shout out versus them shouting you out. I know. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so funny. I really, I like Matt Wilpers because he has really long rides. I and like him too. Really seriously, he's like, I'm your coach. And I, I know, I think he's just, he's really funny. He, he's kind of like, he, he takes kind of a nerdy approach and I love it. That's great. That's great. I, this whole episode has been fantastic. I, I think everyone tuning in learned a ton. And if you are tuning in for the first time, hearing about Heidi's journey, realize that everyone's is different. Yours is different. Maybe one day you'll show yours on this episode. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to The Marketer's Journey. You've been listening to The Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 